Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. This message is a part of our series titled, Saved People Serve People. If you're in the North Reading area, we'd love to have you and your family join us. Visit intlfamilychurch.com for more details. In just a few short weeks on June 26th through the 28th, Family Matters is back. Family Matters is three great nights with something specific for everyone, including VBS for the kids and fun and prizes in IFC Youth. Mark your calendars to join us for Family Matters, June 26th through the 28th. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that simple acts of kindness and generosity can open the hearts of many to the love of Jesus. Coming up on July 14th, we'll be joining with hundreds of churches to take part in a nationwide initiative called Serve Day. Serve Day is an annual opportunity for the church to get out of the church and make a difference in the surrounding community. If you're passionate about helping people in a way that can impact their lives forever, we want to encourage you to join us for this special day. You can play an important role in helping others by spreading the love of Jesus in the greater Boston area and beyond. Visit intlfamilychurch.com for info about the various opportunities but sign up fast. Space is limited. If you have a Serve Day project idea, let us know at intlfamilychurch.com. Be sure to mark your calendars for Serve Day July 14th and get ready to make a difference in the lives of those around you. Now here's Pastor Jonathan Del Turco with part one of Saved People Serve People. I'm excited today because we're starting a, a brand new series. There's a lot going on here at International Family Church. We've got a very important day coming up on July 14th that, of course, I'll refer to, and the series is going to be wrapped around. And uh, we're starting a new series today entitled, Saved People Serve People. Amen. How many believe that's true? Save people serve people. This is part one in a four-part series today. And I want to tell you two things, first of all, right off the start about this title today. Number one, this title, Save People, Serve People, is one of our 10 core values. So this means a lot to us. This is part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's part of what we strive to continue to do, try to understand the reason why we are who we are, because saved people serve people. The second thing I want to say to you today is perhaps you're new to IFC. Perhaps you're new to church. You're new to the things of God. You're new to this kind of environment. You might not quite understand what that term saved people means. So I want to take just a few minutes before I get into the bulk of my message today to help you understand who are saved people. What's the big deal about being a saved person? Well, in the fourth book of the New Testament, it's called the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, in that third chapter, John gives us some real insight of what it means to be a saved person and who are saved people. It reads this way in John 3, starting at verse 1 says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. But John makes some things very plain right away, some information in the first part of this chapter that's really important to understand the context of who Nicodemus is. Right away, we find out that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Right away, we find out that he's a Jewish ruler. He's one of the rulers of the Jewish people. And 
He is a highly religious person. The Pharisees were the most rigorous religious people of all the Jewish people. And so right away we find out that this highly religious man, this man of a big education, this man who understood many things about the Old Testament, Jesus says to him, if you read down to verse 7, says to him, you must be born again. You must be born again. So what Nicodemus needs is the same thing that you and I need. We don't need religion. We need life. Right? We need life. And so we find out here that, that, that the point of referring to the new birth is that new birth brings new life. And in one sense, of course, we know Nicodemus is alive. He's breathing. He's a human being. He's thinking. He's acting. Um, he's reacting. He's actively involved in life. So we know that Nicodemus is alive. But Jesus is trying to say to him, while you're alive and breathing, you're also dead. You're also dead. Nicodemus, you don't know it, but you are dead spiritually. And you need your spirit man to come alive. Amen. There is no spiritual life in you, Nicodemus. Spiritually, you are unborn. He needs life, not more religious activity, not more religious zeal. He already had plenty of that. And if we read further in chapter 3, John's talking to Nicodemus, gives him an illustration that he immediately understands, amen, and he, a newborn baby entering this world is a perfect illustration of a person beginning a new life with God, right? Jesus called it being born again. He called it new birth. He called it being saved. All those refer to the same experience. So no matter what you call the experience, the experience is not just a name. It's a remarkable experience that totally changes your life. Amen. Totally opens up a new way of living, a new understanding in your life that really gives us new life. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, there's a divine exchange. Amen. Sin and misery for his forgiveness and goodness. Shame, right? Shame and guilt for God's freedom and liberty. It's amazing, this exchange that takes place. I've had somebody ask me more than once, Pastor, if I become a Christian, what will I have to give up? I tell them straight up. Straight up, you're going to have to give up sin and misery. I get even more personal. You're going to have to give up depression and discouragement, worry, fear, anxiety. Yeah, you got to give up those too. And also sickness and disease. Yep, you got to give those up too. Yeah, and you got to give up those addictions. Yep, that applies too. Insecurity, inferiority, self-doubt. Yep, they go too. Right? Now, so you can hold on to depression and discouragement if you want to. You can hold on to your worry and your fear and your anxiety and your sickness and your disease and your addictions and, and your inferiority and your uh, uh, lack of self-worth. Yeah, you can keep all that if you want to, but there's no need to keep it. There's this divine exchange that takes place, amen, when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, when Jesus enters your heart, amen, and you receive freedom from those things. I'll say more about that, amen, at the end of the service today and give you an opportunity to become one of those saved people, right? It's a joy and it's a privilege, but that's what it means to be a saved person, to be saved 
people. Now let's understand, once you are a saved person, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, a saved person is so grateful that guilt and sin are gone, so grateful that this new life has come, so grateful that you have a new reason for living, a new reason to believe God, to dream big, to go after God's plan. Now that you have that, we are as saved people so grateful, and the magnitude of our gratefulness can only be expressed in the ability that we have to serve other people. Amen. See, the best thing you can do as a saved person who really is grateful, who really is uh, 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 alive and well, and you know where you came from, you know who you once were and who you are now all because of Jesus. It does something to you on the inside that says, you know what, I can't keep this to myself. Because saved people do what? They serve people. Amen. Here's a great verse of scripture to start our study for the next four weeks about how saved people serve people. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Living Bible. Man, it says it's so good. It says, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus and long ages ago. He planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Spend these lives and helping others. See, as a saved person, there's something in your spiritual DNA. You can't get away from it. You can drown it in selfishness. You can, you can silence it in trying to go after all the achievements of this world. You can be overwhelmed by life and its busyness and its heartbreak and, and totally drown out what lives on the inside of you. But at the end of the day, you know what still remains? This desire to serve others. This need to yield to the real you on the inside. Way before you were born, God put inside of you this longing that I, my life is not complete until I can serve somebody else. My life is not complete. There's so much more. There's another dimension of our lives, and that's serving others. And that's making sure that we are a part of God's divine plan. Amen. Which leads us to our big takeaway today. Here's the one main point I want you to go home with. Here's the one truth you, I'm going to make sure you understand before the day is over. We will only be able to change the world as we are able to serve those in it. Change the world. How many of us, that's a big thought. Change the world. I, I want to pay my mortgage, right? I want to make sure my kids behave. I want to make sure I'm up in the morning early enough to be able to get to work and do what I have. I want strength to get through the day. Change the world? Wow, that's a big thought. But we only can do that as we are able to serve those in it. Please understand that there's a big gulf in our society right now between Jesus and the church. Most people that I talk to, they don't have an issue with Jesus. They got big issues with the church, right? Big issues with the church. Oh, many people would rather choose Jesus, but don't choose the church. Because as far as they're concerned, the church is this religious organization, this, this, this uh, uh, highly developed 
organization that just wants your money and just wants to make you feel bad and make you feel guilty and, and, and tell you what you can't do and how you, how you have to live and rules and regulations. And, and so they want Jesus because they understand he's a good man. And, 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 and many believe, yeah, he probably did die on the cross for me. And yeah, he, he lived an exemplary selfless life and, and so forth. But how do we bridge the gap between Jesus and the church? One thing, serving, Amen. service. Service bridges the gap. There's a credibility gap that we all face. It's not my preaching. It's not my eloquence. It's not my memorization of scripture. It's not my many prayers. It's not all these things that I live this holy life and all that is important and wonderful. But the way we get the attention of the world and bridge the credibility gap that every one of us have to deal with that I'm very well aware of as a pastor of a growing congregation and that is serving. When you serve someone, when you serve them with no strings attached, when you do something unexpected, when you do something kind that blows their mind, like, who are you? And why are you doing this? And why are you helping me? And why are you raking my leaves? And why are you painting my house? And why are you, why are you fixing my fence? And why are you doing these things? And why are you coming here? I don't know you. I didn't even know who you were. How do you know me? There's something in our selfless service that communicates the kind of God we serve. And they want to know that God through our service, not our preaching, not our Bible thumping, not at what we're against, but by our heart of service. Possibly the clearest picture that I see in the Bible where God's heart of serving is, is clearly displayed is found also in that fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John. We see it in chapter 13. Here in context, it's just a few hours before Jesus is about to be arrested. Less than a day, he's about to be crucified. So this is a major point in history. This is huge right now. There's a, a lot of drama going on. There's a lot happening, as you can imagine, in the realm of the spirit. A lot happening in the natural. A lot going on in Jesus' heart. There's a lot taking place. He's about to take on the sins of the world. He's about to die for all of mankind. He's about to suffer on a level that no man has ever suffered before. And he finds himself, him and his 12 disciples in a room, a borrowed house, to take on and to have their last meal. They're celebrating the Passover, and they're going to have a last meal together. Jesus is well aware this is their last meal. He's well aware of the, the life-changing experience that's about to happen. He knows what's coming down. He knows what's about to happen. The disciples right now are clueless. They're not getting it. They don't understand the enormous drama of that moment. I want to somehow help paint a picture of the, the environment of where Jesus says the words that he's about, we're about to read and the import and the power of what they're about to be said. In a few hours, the, these disciples are going to scatter in fear, save their own lives. They're going to run from Jesus as Jesus lays down his life for them and those before, during his lifetime, and after those of us that would come after him. Greatness 
is still a long way off for these disciples. As they walk into the place to share the Passover meal, the backdrop is the disciples are arguing. There's tension. These boys still haven't gotten it. They're arguing back and forth. Who's the greatest? I'm number one. No, I am. Come on. You're a loser. I'm the best of the best. I want, I'm the greatest of them all. I'm the one that will be sitting at the right hand of Jesus. And this is going on. Jesus is about to die for the sins of mankind. And his men that he's been with for three and a half years are arguing about who's the greatest. They're arguing about who's the one that is the, the number one disciple. And they're, they're you know, bickering and going back and forth and jockeying for position. And that's happening. And Jesus is like, I'm about to leave and leave the greatest message known to mankind to these boys, right? To these guys who are clueless and they're not getting it. And, and, and thankfully, Jesus still has hope in their capacity to learn and understand. And then Jesus, in the midst of this, does something extremely remarkable. He got up from the meal he took off his outer garment. He picked up the towel that was in the entryway of the door that everyone passed by and the basin, took the towel, wrapped it around his waist, and went to work. The disciples were shocked. They're thinking, this is a huge statement. Jesus was their rabbi, their leader. It was culturally inconceivable for him to take the towel and put it on. It was customary for every home to have a basin of water and a towel at every entry. That was not a luxury. It wasn't a luxury to get their feet washed like going to maybe a spa and having some treatment on your feet. See, they walked in sandals and walked on dirty roads that were full of dirt and filth. And every time they went from house to house, these feet of theirs got filthy. And so in order to keep the house somewhat clean, there was always someone, usually the lowest of servants, the one who either got paid the less or the rookie servant that was on the lowest rank, lowest rung. It was always that person's job to take off their sandals and wash the feet of those guests that would come into this house. Well, this is a borrowed house. So there are no servants here. The disciples know there are no servants here. And the disciples, one by one, walked by that basin, walked by that towel. One by one, they try to ignore it. One by one, they walked by there because they know because there's no servants here, they know because there's no one here besides them that one of them are supposed to be responsible. One of them they're the ones that are supposed to stop, pick up that towel, wash the feet of his fellow disciples and the feet of Jesus, but nobody did. You know why? Because if they did, that means they're out of the running of who's the best. They're admitting, I'm the low of the low. They're admitting, you guys are better than me. They're admitting that no one at this point is going to admit it because they're jockeying for position. They're jockeying for attention. They're jockeying for some opportunity and some, some title that they're, they're wanting to have. And every one of them bypassed it. Every one of them said, I'm too good for them. Every one of them said, I'm not going to go there. They knew better. How many times, hundreds of times, had they had their feet washed? But this time, dirty feet and all, they walked into a house that culturally you do not do. They did it anyways, because they were so full of themselves. Wow. They had such pride. You getting this picture? Yes, 
right around this time, if you're watching a movie now, the, 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 the music changes, right? It's very dramatic. You realize, whoa, there's something in the air here. Something about to happen here that's life-changing. Something's up. Pay attention in the movie. You know, quit eating your popcorn, right? Take that last sip. Uh, no, more, no more, you know, uh, Sour Patch Kids for a moment. Something's about to change here. This movie's about to take on another dimension, and that's what we find in this story. Wow. See, having your feet washed again, it wasn't a luxury. It was a necessity. But that night, they walked right by it. Walk right by it. Then Jesus messed with their heads. Totally. He knew what was going on. He knew their thoughts. He knew what was taking place. And by taking the towel himself, he said this, describing that moment, John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world, go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. One by one, he carried the basin full of water to each disciples, took off those filthy sandals and washed each person's filthy feet. You can imagine how embarrassed they were. You can imagine how they thought, I can't believe I'm letting Jesus do this. I can't believe I was so full of myself. One by one, they're feeling, I'm sure, deep embarrassment. Sure, they felt shame. They felt like, wow. I can't believe he's doing this. And one by one, one by one, he washes their feet. He's done. He folds the towel back up, puts the basin back at the entryway, puts his robe back on. And you got to know on purpose, he probably does this, just stands there and there's a heavy silence. Can you picture it? Wow. They're looking at each other, got their heads down. They're thinking, I can't believe that just took place. And Jesus breaks the silence, and he says this in verse 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and, and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, has washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you, on, set you an example that you should do as I have done. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Wow. He's saying to them, look, we've been with each other three and a half years. Three and a half years, you saw my example. Three and a half years, you've heard my teaching. Three and a half years, you grew. And three and a half years, you've been experiencing me and watching me perform miracle after miracle and going after the one and seeing me being moved with compassion and, and helping and challenging others and being a blessing. And if you really want to understand this gospel, then if you truly want to be great, if you really truly want to be uh, someone who truly is great, you will need to step up and become a servant. Servant, You will never be able to impact or influence your world, he's telling them, and make any difference of any lasting change until you get your focus off yourself and start adding value to others. A significant life is a life of a towel. Everything else is empty. 
you will never experience the full life Christ has promised until you see others as he sees them and serve them as Jesus serves them. Man, that's powerful. It's the whole basis of why save people, serve people, because of the example of Jesus, because of the example. What is the purpose of a towel? Think about the life of a towel. You know, we have a lot of different kinds of towels in our home, and maybe you have those fufu towels in your house. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? The ones that are off limits. They got silk and satin on them, you know, certain colors that maybe match and, and bring out other colors in your, in your bathroom, right? And they're so precise, aren't they? They're an inch over here, the big towels, then the hand towels, and the washcloth just exactly in the middle, right? Totally folded. You see nothing behind it. And heaven forbid if a, if a family member or a guest put their wet hands on that towel, man, that's just the cardinal rule, right? We all know those aren't to be touched. They're on display. They're just to be seen, right? They're not used. We have those fufu towels. Every one of us have those. And, and Vera doesn't have as, quite as many as she used to, but there's a, there's a few. You go downstairs to my mom's place, man, fufu towels all over the bathroom. It's just one of those things. You might have them, you might not have them, but they're on display. They're like a lot of Christians who come to church. They come to be seen. I'm here. Look at me like you've done us all a great favor of coming to church this morning. Right? Look at me. I'm here today. Isn't it awesome I decided to come to church and bless you with my presence? Right? I'm somebody. I've got titles. Man, I make big money. I, I'm important. And we have these Christians that come to church and they got all the satin and the silk and their best Sunday jeans on and they're there for display let me tell you something though the nature of the towel is not for display listen listen if you listen really carefully the towel speaks in fact the towel screams the towel says I need dirt I need a mess. I need something that's wet so I can dry it up. I need somewhere I could clean. Do me a favor. Use me. That's what the towel says. The towel says it's the fabric of the church. The towel, terry cloth, it's the fabric of International Family Church. It's the family, of the, it's the fabric of the body of Christ. It's who we really are. Amen. It's who we really are. Jesus says, I'm not going to pass out titles today on the Passover. There's no titles being passed out, but I want you to get who you really are. I want you to understand that you are a servant above all else. If you want to be great, you want to make impact in our world, you want to make a difference, you want somebody to be who they never thought they could be, somebody else's dream comes true, then you need the character of the towel. You need to make sure that you're using your towel. You're not foo-foo. Tell your neighbor, quit being foo-foo. I just fell off the steps. Amen. Quit being foo-foo. Tell somebody. Ever try to dry off with a foo-foo towel? It's like trying to dry off with a hurry a hairy cat 
Right, it don't work. Some months ago, my wife tried to get rid of those old towels. And so I saw them all stacked up. She's either going to give them away or whatever. And I'm thinking, what? You're not giving away those towels for some new rookie towels? Amen. So I took about three or four of them and put them in the back of the closet. And those are the ones I use because they dry better. Those rookie tiles don't know how to do this. They haven't been, they haven't been worked in yet, right? Amen. So I don't want to be foo-foo. I want to make sure, praise God, that I, I am who I am to be in Christ. Amen. IFC, let's get wet. Let's get dirty. Let's get busy. Let's serve other people. Let's find some messes. You know, like the mess you used to be, the mess that you were in with outside of Christ, the mess you were in because of your addictions and because of your insecurities and fears and anxiety. Remember who you once were. Amen. Remember that day. Remember when Jesus came into your life and set you free. I don't know about you. I want to find some of those folks. I want to find some of those folks, some of those folks that are outside of IFC. See, there's a part of serving in the church. That's what dream teams are for. Many of you serve on a dream team. Many more of you who are believing God this year will join a dream team. Be on a dream team. Nothing better than to serve the family of God and to serve our guests and to serve our, our, those that attend and, and don't know what to expect about church. And here we are as the most friendly, helpful people that they've ever met on planet Earth. But yet there is another set of service that happens through the local church. It's outside the double doors. That's what I'm looking forward to. We've got it down pat right here. The culture of a dream team. The culture of, culture of serving parents and, and, and others here at IFC. But there's so much more waiting for us. Are you here today? Yes. Let me tell you something. If serving was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Amen. It's good enough for me. The Bible says the reason why, Jesus said, the reason why I've come, I've come not to be served, but to serve and be what? A ransom for others. A ransom for many. That's Jesus. Amen. That's what he came for. Amen. Understand something. Jesus didn't see picking up the tile as, 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 as a loss. Oftentimes we do. We pass out opportunities. I'm, I'm busy. I got a reputation. I got, a, I got time. I'm on my way somewhere. I, I can't take away from what I'm doing right now. And oftentimes we pass out uh, many opportunities. But Jesus didn't see serving as a loss. He saw it as a blessing. And he told his disciples, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I'm here to tell you this morning, submit to you, could there be another dimension of blessing that's attached to the towel that we never get to tap into unless we use the towel, unless we serve others? I believe that's true. I believe there's another dimension of blessing waiting for us if we'll heed the words of Jesus, learn from his example, do what he did, you will be blessed. There's another level of blessings waiting for us as we serve our neighbors, as we are a blessing, as we show kindness, as we represent Jesus with our acts, not only with our words. Amen. There's a blessing waiting for us. Fathers, have the attitude today on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way. 
have the attitude of the high honor it is to serve our families. When you serve your wife, when you serve your sons and your daughters, you're acting, you are the most like Jesus you've ever been. You think, wow, I never expected I could be like Jesus. Yeah? There's some days I know you're not. And some days I know I'm not. But when I serve my wife, when I serve my son and my daughter, amen, I am the most like Jesus. What an honor. Wow. Not just to be served, but to serve. Amen. Church, what a joy to take on the nature of Christ and, and understand the joy there is in serving. I can't wait to next week and give you some more information about all that this means today. But please understand this as I close. It's a great example that I thought of that really puts this in perspective. You know, July 14th, as wonderful as that's going to be, as hundreds of us serve our community and serve um, a, a lot of opportunities and in neighborhoods and and charities and nonprofit organizations and, and public opportunities that we're going to be able to make a difference. But it's more than just that day, isn't it? Yes. Now, you understand the illustration of a couple that are in love. They're anticipating their wedding day. Man, they work hard, don't they? They work hard. They put things together. They set a budget, try to stick with it as much as they can. There's details. They want their dream to come true. There's a lot of work to be done. But they understand that this goes beyond the day. It goes beyond the wedding day. There's a marriage to live out, right? There's a lifestyle. There's a life to be lived. And so the same way, we know that do they want that wedding day to be wonderful? To be dream come true? Yes or no? Yes. yes, of course. But they know there's more than that. Do we want our July 14th to be awesome? Yes. But there's more than that, isn't there? Amen. There's a whole opportunity that will be available to us to continue beyond July 14th. To continue be a blessing. This is not a one-time shot. Aren't we something? We took some video. We took some pictures. We, we, we kind of punched in. But there's so much more available to us that will absolutely enlarge the impact and influence of God's people that will make such a huge difference in all of our neighborhoods. Remember our big takeaway. Remember where we started. You will only be able to change the world as we are able to serve those in it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Did you learn something? Amen. Thank you, Father. Why don't you raise those hands towards heaven for a moment and just say, Lord, I... I thank you. I thank you for your heart that lives in me. Thank you for reminding me of what's important. Thank you for helping me to get the fact that out of my gratitude and my heart of being a saved person, forgiven and redeemed and blood-bought on my way to heaven, freer than I've ever been before, the Father God, the nature of the towel, the nature of service, is really who my real identity is. Father, forgive me for thinking that I don't need to or I'm beyond that or I grew out of that or I, I'm more mature now. May we always remember that we're not here to be foo-foo. We're not here to just be on display. We're here, Father God, to make a difference in somebody else's life. And perhaps there's someone here today, Father God, that has never yet opened up their heart to you, Jesus. They're not what we said at the very beginning of the message, a saved person or experienced the new birth 
or haven't been born again, haven't enjoyed their spirit coming alive, their spirit coming alive into Christ. And, and Father, we thank you that Jesus died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He's alive and well, waiting for each one of us to say yes to him, to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't stay dead. And if he rose from the dead, that means all of my dead areas of my life can come alive. You told us that we have to open up our mouth and declare you as our Lord and invite you into our hearts. So, Father, I thank you for those right now that are ready to say, yes, I want to be a saved person. I want to know Jesus as my Lord. I want my sins forgiven. I want heaven as my home. I want a new life here on earth. I want a brand new start. I want to give up all this stuff that tears me down, that keeps me limited and bound. I, too, want to be free. And I'm ready to give it all up to invite Jesus into my heart today and be accounted as one of his sons and daughters today. With every head bowed today, before we pass out some awesome presents for our dads today, I want to make sure everyone in this room, everyone joining us live online today, that every one of you in the room today and online know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believers are praying with me. You say, Pastor, I need this Jesus today. I'm ready to open up my heart. I'm ready to be a saved person. I'm ready to say yes to him and invite him into my heart. Change me from the inside out. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I do want to know who you are so I can pray for you. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high? I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready. Yes, I see it all the way in the back. God bless you. Yes, ma'am, I see it. Yes, yes, yes. I see it, sir. Thank you. Who else? Raise it up high. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you on this side. God bless you. Who else today? Raise it up high. I see it, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, Father. How wonderful today. People are opening up their hearts to you, Jesus. Amen. Who else? Raise it up high today. Amen. We are grateful for those who came. Raise their hands in the first service. Thank you. I see it. God bless you. Come on. Make sure that you know that you know today. See, I, I've not done this before, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to open up my heart and, and, and take on his character and his life and freedom in my life. Anybody else raise it up high before we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome today. God bless you. Thank you for those that are joining us online today. Pray with us here in the room today. Repeat this after me, please. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. Here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I need you to change me from the inside out. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. But you didn't stay dead. You're alive and well. I need you now to come into my heart and make me alive. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. I believe by faith that I receive this gift of salvation. From this day forward, I will never be the same. Thank you for a new beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Amen, Pastor Josh. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with International Family Church at intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself 
to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.